the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong, and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite, representing the exact opposite of everything. This is the lovely Ramon B. How are you, Ramon? I'm just playing with this touchscreen here. Wow, look at that. Isn't that fun? I get to press all these buttons ahead of time. Now, it's been so long since we were together, we probably yeah. forgot that we do the headlines of the day. That's right. And that's why I press this button right here. Mm. Fun. Excitement. So these are headlines fresh out of the paper. Do you remember the paper? I remember the paper. <laughs> Did you ever I? deliver the paper? No, I did oh. not. No, no, no. You were no. never a paper boy? Nope. Didn't, I didn't want You know, to nobody ever says paper person. No. Paper pa- server. Ooh, paper. <laughs> See what I did there? Paper human. I no, like, no, I like no. waitress and waiter. Is that old-fashioned? I think that's that's not legal anymore. There's, I don't there's give a so, crap what's legal. Look but at this stuff we get away with here. It's not legal. Uh, well, you've signed some contracts, so I guess it is yeah. kind of legal. Well, they could fire me. They that's don't even true. know what I do. They can't fire me. Uh, here's one. A mugger. Remember the muggers? Can you call them muggers anymore? Well, that's the name of uh, that was the name of my high school band, the muggers. The muggers. A mugger was choked out after he attacked a man who just happened to be one of those MMA guys. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, I, I love a feel-good story like that. That's not. Oh wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I've got a fun a fun story. I was in Utah. Have you heard of this, the Utah? I have heard. It's a state of right above Arizona where we're sitting right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I flew up to Las Vegas, drove two hours to St. George, Utah, had an appointment there. And then uh, before meeting with my client, I thought, I'm going to go to the Warren Jeffs polygamous compound. Remember that guy? Uh No. Oh, you never heard of Warren Jeffs, the famous polygamist who is in prison right now? No, I have not. Really? Yes. Polygamy. Do you know what that is? I do. That means when you have more than one polyg at a time. He had quite a few polygs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, he was a parapolygic. Parapolygic. <laughs> a parapolygic. That's more than – that's two <laughs> no. polygs. He, he had like many, many wives. And then so I go to this town. It's called Colorado City, Arizona. It's right on the border of – Hilldale. Is there Arizona City, Colorado? I think maybe. I'm not sure about that. We're going to look into that. We're going to have our crack team of savvy, motivated personnel look into that right away. But uh, so I go there to the – I just want to see it, what's left of it. So the, this guy went to jail, prison quite a few years ago. And then there's nothing left. But I noticed that the whole town is has a 
all the women dress Amish. Okay. They got the puffy, the uh, very high, very modesty. Modesty is a big thing there. Yes. They have horrible hairdos, and then they've got these big puffy. I don't know what you call them. Like, kind of um, like Michael 80, Jackson used to have the those, 80s shoulder paddy exactly. kind of thing, puffy thing. Exactly, yeah. like Sheena E. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, but the whole town is so poverty stricken, and I thought this is what happens when you have more than one wife. It just drains your energy. So he went to prison. He went to prison. Wouldn't having a lot of wives be pretty darn close to prison in the first place? I would think. I will tell you this. I was working up in Utah, and I fly in a little late. I'm, I'm staying in Sandy, Utah. And uh, so there was a uh, – uh, what do they call that? Uh, what's the name of that? Texas Roadhouse. Okay. Love yeah, the yeah. Texas Roadhouse for late-night steak, you know, something that tied me over till the morning. So I go to the Texas Roadhouse. It's almost closing time, and the guy comes up, and he's got a name like Lehigh or something like that. He's obviously Mormon, okay? So um, so he, he says, hi, my name is Lehigh or whatever. And I said, oh, you must be Mormon. He goes, well, not anymore. I go, well, tell me about that. He goes, well, I used to be in the Warren Jeffs polygamist thing, and I said, I want you to sit down and tell me all of that. He sat with me for a half an hour and told me the entire thing. I probably right? have more information about that. It. it was it was so fright. It was the, it was the closest thing to modern day slavery you've ever heard. In wow, crazy! And this is what you uh, went to. I just wanted to see what was left of it yeah. and what it looked like. But uh, it looked like a uh, kind of a crappy subdivision with a big high fence around the whole thing. I do have pictures right here. I will show you. Fantastic. We don't do video here. Thankfully. So, <laughs> so people tuning in are missing out on my amazing pictures of the polygamous compound. So we're supposed to talk about real estate. You Might as well. That, right? So um, I was going to talk about getting the signature at the end of the listing presentation. There's this little moment of truth where you're going to get them to sign here. And uh, the question is, why is sign here so hard to say? Now, uh, there are things that are difficult to say in life. You know that. But yes. there's things that are difficult to say when drunk. Have you ever noticed that? Like eucalyptus? Uh, like innovated, uh, preliminary, proliferation, cinnamon. These things are hard to say when Aluminum. drunk. Aluminum. Those are hard to – that's hard to say when drunk. But there are things that are very difficult to say when you're drunk, like specificity, anti-constitutionality, passive-aggressive disorder. These aren't my pants. <laughs> no, no. That, wait a minute. Save that one. That's easy to say, <laughs> that's in, actually. Oh, that's, that's impossible to say when, drunk, when sober. <laughs> <laughs> then there's things that are impossible to say when drunk, like, th no thanks, I'm married. Uh, sorry, but you're really not my type. Nope, no more booze for me. You've heard that one. Yes. No thanks, <laughs> I'm not hungry. Uh, I'm not interested in fighting you. That's another one I love. I must be going home now as I have work to do early in the morning. <laughs> Uh, thank you, but I won't make any attempt to dance as I have no coordination and I hate to look like a fool. Yeah, those are the things that are 
extremely difficult to say when drunk. Okay, so sign here. Why is it so difficult to, you know, they say always be closing. So at the end of the listing presentation, if you're a fearless agent, you have uh, rang the bell, you smiled, you paid them a compliment, you took them directly to the kitchen table, you uh, break the ice, and then you do the expired list intro to let them know what's at stake. Then you did the preview of coming attractions to make them feel comfortable with what's going to happen while you're there in their house that evening. Then you uh, ask them the four questions, which could be 15 or 20 questions depending on their situation. That's what sells them on you. After they're sold on you, then you go take the tour of their house. Uh, You perhaps make some notes. Then you come back to the kitchen table. You do the fearless agent uh, listing presentation. Then you uh, do the nutshell close. If they're if they're saying, "Oh yes, you're the agent for us. We're doing business with you tonight. If we can agree on the price, then you do the fearless agent pricing presentation." And then at the end of that, you you say the close. Well, I'll leave it entirely up to you. How long do you actually want it to take for you to get your money? And then that catches them off guard, and they say, "Oh." And then you're then you're going to do the um, the gift from God was the what do they call it the uh, this property seller property disclosure statement. So uh, all except for one state that I know of, I think it was Maryland. Maybe there's one state that doesn't use that, but the seller property disclosure statement allows you to you know. So I would say, well, I've got a little homework assignment for you. And uh, you're going to do it while I'm here. And this is a uh, document that you fill out and it says, I am aware or I am not aware of these things to be true about the condition of my house. And this is the thing that uh, keeps you out of uh, court later. So when somebody, after they buy the house and they say, oh, you never told me that the thingy was busted, you'd say, actually, we did tell you that. You signed it. And so don't be calling Goldberg and Osborne just yet. So uh, they fill that out and then uh, that makes it easy to get the signature. So that what they – what I noticed they would do is I would hand them the pen and they would kind of look at each other before they're signing that document, which is just a disclosure. It's not the listing. And then they go, yeah, okay, we're doing this. You know, it's like that. That happens in their head. So they start filling out that. And then when, while they're filling that out, then I'm going to be filling out the listing. Uh, so I, I have a listing kit with me. So the listing kit would have on the very top of the stack, it would have that seller property disclosure statement. Underneath that, it would have the legal language of the listing. Uh, underneath that, it would have the property profile, like the, or no, excuse me. Under that, it would have the agency agreement, lead-based paint, uh, pool disclosures, um, any any kind of disclosures that uh, you got to have signed either by the real estate department in your state or perhaps your company has some special ones. And then the very last thing would be that long property profile, you know, how many bedrooms, how many baths, how many this, how many that. Uh, And that way, 
while they're filling out that seller property disclosure statement and they're putting pen to paper going, yeah, we're doing this, this is happening tonight, then I'm filling out those things in that order. And I probably get a part of the way through, maybe just barely through, into the property profile and they say, okay, I'm done. They set down the pen and then I'm going to take out the uh, listing, legal language to the listing agreement and I'm going to say, so this is the easy way to get sign, sign here done. I'm going to say, well, this is the agreement between you and I. Uh, this is you know, your property description and location. Uh, I need you to initial here to allow me to put a lockbox on the door. This says you agree to pay me 7% no matter what if your house sells. This says you agree to pay me zero no matter what if your house does not sell. This says you agree to stick with me for as long as it takes and I need you to sign right here. So I would do a one-year listing, but I want them to understand that we're doing business for as long as it takes. So that's why I say it that way. And most people would just sign it. Very rarely would would somebody uh, have a problem and and you know or anything like that. So when you're securing the the signature, uh, oh, I forgot. I forgot this. You're going to estimate the net before that. So I left that out. So. So I'd say I'll I'll leave it entirely up to you. How long do you actually want it to take for you to get your money? So at the end of the pricing presentation, they say however long that is. And I'd say, okay, so I'm going to give you a number that you can make your plans on, okay? And this number is yours to keep. The loans are paid off. Everything's paid off. All the costs and fees are paid. This is the number I want you to make your plans on. Now, my job is to make this number bigger, and I'm extremely good at my job. And if it was ever less than the number I'm about to tell you, then I screwed up, and I never screw up. Any questions? No. Okay, so I want you to make your plans on me handing you a check at closing for, and then I say $134,000 or whatever that number is. So the way I figure out that number is I take my guess at fair market value. Now, in a market like we're in now where the, the prices are going down, let's say let's say 350-ish is uh, my guess at fair market value. If I'm wrong in a market like this, I'm probably going to be wrong high. Let's say the house is built in 2018. That's kind of out on the outskirts of town. That's the stuff that goes down in value the fastest. Let's say it's a condo. That's the kind of stuff that goes down the very fastest. Let's say it's a uh, fourplex, duplex, uh, some sort of a plex thing, multifamily. That's the kind of stuff that really plummets in value the fastest. So I'm going to be very conservative. So I might, I might just say 325. Okay, and then I'll take 325 and I'll subtract 12 uh, percent from that. And that gives me whatever it gives me. Let's do math, shall we? Math, math is so much fun, so much fun for everyone. Math. Yeah, math. Math. So I take 325 minus 12% and I end up with 286. Then I take what they owe off of that. Let's say they said they owed – let's say they said they – oh, we owe about 75000 
Well, it's not exactly 75,000. It's probably 76,000. Okay, so I'll take 76,000 off of that, and that gives me with 210. So then I'm going to say, I want, I want you to make your plans on me handing you a check for $210,000. Any questions? And they say, uh, we were hoping for more than that. And I just look at them and I'd say, yeah, I understand that. And then they look at each other and they say, you know, these are real sellers. Okay, that means they're nice, they're sane, they're smart, they're deadly serious about selling their house right now at fair market value, whatever that turns out to be. And again, I'm giving them a number to make their plans on. Now, when I end up getting them, you know, $240,000 because they took my advice, priced it correctly, you know, and we sold it for well over fair market value, then, you know, we end up selling it for, you know, three seventy five. So uh, they're going to be very happy, raving fans, and sending me a never-ending stream of referrals. The way most agents do it is they don't have a listing presentation. So they begin with bad news, which is showing them comps. No fearless agent ever would show comps. That's crazy. Okay. So you never talk commission until they're sold on the price. You never talk price until they're sold on you and your company and listing with you tonight. And you never talk about you and your company if they're a for sale by owner, they're not even sold on using an agent. So first you have to sell them on using an agent if they're a FISBO uh, or perhaps they're an expired and they're thinking for sale by owner. So once they're sold on using an agent, then you then you do the fearless agent listing presentation. And again, it's the four questions that sells them on you, which again could be 10 or 15 questions depending on their, their situation. So – when they're sold on you before you ever take the tour of the house, like all fearless agents experience, because of the way you ask those questions, and they're not the idiotic Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, Brian Buffoonery doofus questions that you know only morons would say. They're, they're smart questions. They're all about the seller, not about me as the agent. Then they're sold on me. Then we take the tour, then we come back and we do it, and everything goes in the right order, and these are real serious sellers, then then I don't have to wonder if I'm going to get the listing. I'm going to get the listing because they're sold on me. And when I tell them this is what you should expect for the net, they believe it. They say, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. And then I know because I've given them a number that's not – artificially low but I'm not I'm I'm preparing them for the worst case scenario which sometimes happens. I'm not preparing them for the best case scenario with the hopes that that will get me the listing because I don't have a listing presentation. I just have comps like other agents, non-fearless agents. Then I don't have to worry. I'm going to get the listing. That's already that's already decided. Then it's about can they sell if that's the best they can net? They say yes, okay, great, and then we then we do business and we have a great experience, and then I look like a hero, and uh, everything goes the right way. So part of part of looking part of looking like the hero. Oh, by the way, I forgot this. At the end, 
I'm going to get the signature, okay? So I, again, I say, so this is the agreement between you and I. And uh, so they've, they've filled out the, after I estimate the net, then they fill out the seller property disclosure statement. They're putting pen to paper. They're going, yeah, we're mentally doing this. We're, we're filling out paper. We're listing our house. So then at the end of that, again, I say, I say so this is the agreement between you and I. They say, okay, I've, I'm done. They put down the pen. I go, oh, what do you know? I'm done too. So I, I pick up the pen. I turn it around. I say, I need you to sign right there on that. So they write their first signature on that seller property disclosure statement. I go, keep the pen. I go, this is the agreement between you and I. This is your property here. This is uh, where I need you to initial right here to, for the lockbox. This says I get paid 7% no matter what if your house sells. This says I get paid zero no matter what if your house does not sell. And then uh, this says uh, you agree to stick with me for as long as it takes and I need you to sign right here. So so they do. So now I've got a a bunch of other things for them to sign, right? Now we're going to go to agency. They're going to sign that. Now I'm going to go. We're going to go to uh, lead base paint. They're going to sign that. Now we're going to go to pool disclosures, whatever disclosures there are. You know, mold, radon, whatever you got in your in your market that you're going to have them sign. And then and then they're going to sign the half filled out property profile. And then I'm going to have them sign uh, five blank change order forms. Please write this down. This this is a this is a butt saver, okay? You're going to have them sign multiple change order forms so I can go back into the MLS. They're not dated. And like if I have a phone call with them and and we need to reduce the price or maybe my life is a living hell because I've got way too many offers coming in. I'm freaking out. We need to raise the price to make my life sane. Any any change in anything? Oh, I noticed there was a mistake in the square footage. I'm going to get sued. You know, I, I, I want to make a change, but I don't want to drive back out to get their live signature. So I've got five live signatures on that. Then I can date it, change, make the change in the in the MLS and that's all done. So that's a good that's a good policy. Then I do a CMA that they never see. So I just give them my opinion of fair market value right before the uh, pricing presentation, the fearless agent pricing presentation. Um, so then I'm going to give them um, I'm going to show them that CMA. And they're going to sign that. They're going to initial that they saw that. And then I've got my fair market value estimate. And they're initialing that. The recommended asking price, the price I recommended, maybe they didn't want to price it at that price. The actual price that we listed it for. And then they're going to sign and the net. So we got all that. And that cures amnesia. They're not going to have selective, you know, oh, you told me I would get that. Say, no, actually, I have your signature right here on this thing that says you were going to net this amount. And this is the asking price I recommended, but you chose to do it, you know, a different way. So then you get what you get. So that does cure amnesia. Uh, So that's, that's, that's really the secret to that. So hey, we have a caller. Hey, we have a caller. Kimberly, how are you? 
I'm good. How are you guys doing? Now, Kimberly is a brand new fearless agent. She just signed up yesterday. And now she's on the podcast today. Look at that. Just like that. Through the miracle, yeah. of, through the miracle of radio, you can tell the excitement in her voice of being on the podcast. What, yeah, what am I doing here? Oh, yeah, I, that's what I ask myself every time I'm here. Oh, I say that. <laughs> now, Kimberly, have you ever listened to the podcast? No. Oh, going to be honest. Wow, I've, I've she's on videos. it. She's on yeah. it before ever listening to it. She's watched your videos, so you know. Okay, that, so no so accounting for somebody taste. listening has a buyer or a seller or an investor in Austin, Texas, and they probably should refer them to Kimberly. And you and they yep. can call you, Kimberly, at 512-948-6400. Isn't that correct? Yes, definitely. All right. Now, think of a question that a new fearless agent might have to make the host look good, which is always the goal. Okay. Well, I guess we'll go with your background. Like, oh. how did you get started into real estate? <laughs> well, now, I happen to know you were a bartender. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. And I was an alcoholic, so we had a lot in common. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not quite there. I'm borderline, but... Oh, you'll get there. Focus. Just focus. <laughs> That's the key. Push through. So the... Uh, uh, I. I actually got into real estate uh, because I had a, de- a number of dead-end jobs after being a high school dropout and uh, uh, never went to college. And then I was uh, uh, broke. You know, wor- I worked at a camera store, and I had a very mismanaged uh, photography business that I did. So that's what I did prior to real estate. And then this lady came into the camera shop wearing her little gold coat and – I, and so she was a Century 21 agent, and I would go to the through the want ads in the newspapers every day, looking for estate sales, and we would buy these old collectible cameras. And I had vast knowledge on the the collectible camera market. I knew all about, you know, I could take a look at a camera and know what it was worth, know what we could sell it for. So. Um, I said to her, I said, you know, I, I go through the one ads every day and I see this ad that says, we will train you to sell real estate. She goes, oh, my gosh, you would be fantastic at real estate. I go, really? She goes, yeah. She goes, you got to get your real estate license. I go, I go, what, how would I, how would that work, you know? So she goes, oh, you just go to the real estate school. There's a, this real estate school right down the street from the camera shop and, uh, so I said, well, what does that cost? And she goes, it's $175, so I, I, which was real money back then, you know, 1984. So I, I go, well, that, that seems like nothing. I go, yeah, I'll do that. You know, so I go to real estate school. And I, I sit down, and I happen to sit down to one of, next to one of my very best friend's dad. He was <laughs> taking his license, so he was sitting there in the school with me. And uh, at the end of – the first evening of real estate school, I knew that that's what I wanted to do for a living. I go, this is real. This is big. This is this is something where, where um, it would be good. And then I failed miserably for five years, literally making a poverty level income, making no money, because the training in the real estate industry was so horrible. So you know, I had all these well-meaning people in my real estate office that were only too happy to help me. Uh, you know, give me advice, and all the advice was horrible, and uh, uh, so I was just failing, and I, I probably would have gotten out of the real estate business, and then this real estate 
sales training program, which was called Sweat Hogs back then, came to town. And uh, I signed up and took that program. And there was a lady that uh, just happened to sit next to me. She was in my office at that at that program, and she had no listings, no sales, no closings, no hope of succeeding. And 90 days later, she had 19 listings, and I had, uh, in the same 90-day period, listings, sales, listings of mine that sold, and closings totaling 50. So it was overnight success. And really what happened is I just learned um, everything there was to know about sales and I didn't learn anything about real estate. So that, that's the advice I would give you uh, is learn everything about sales, fearless agent style sales, and uh, the real estate trivia won't matter if you can't sell. You could know everything about real estate and be broke and then know right. everything about sales and nothing about real estate and make lots of money. You would go to prison probably with your broker, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Jeremy, your broker, he made a very nice prison roommate. He's so nice. Oh, you're talking about my guy down the hall there? No, the other. No, Jeremy's sick down the hall. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and Kimberly, she's excited about all of this. Kimberly seems, uh, yeah, are you I'm, excited? I'm definitely, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's definitely been a journey so far. Yeah. I've gotten my license in February and. Still how did, how did, like how did you stuff. get into it? What was your entrance into real estate? How'd that happen? Uh, I and guess we may have talked about that, but I'm so old I forgot already. So there's that. <laughs> no, I I mean I honestly I don't remember if we did or not, but I have helped like my mom uh, with you know property managing her property. She has a couple of properties. And uh, just slowly started to, like, work my way into things, you know, not, I guess, not legally, <laughs> because you're supposed to have a license. Um, but just managing her property, so I guess it's, I'm sure that wasn't too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I did help her buy her home here with uh, my realtor that I used to use. And I grew a good relationship with them and just like being around that over time, I just started thinking like maybe this is something that I wanted to do like professionally. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you write something down. And for those right. of you tuning in, you can write this down too. All fearless agents who make a million dollars a year selling real estate do exactly what I'm about to tell you every day. Okay. So this is guaranteed success. So every fearless agent, I'm not the coach who says, well, you could do this or you could do that because that's a coaching scam. Uh, I I tell you what to do because it always works. So if you begin every day calling your sphere of influence, people who know you, like you, trust you, uh, how old are you again? 33. So when you're 33, you're a millennial, I think which means all of your friends are broke losers. So you need to focus on their parents. Their parents have equity in homes. So you're calling your sphere of influence, asking for referrals. I've given you the perfect words to say. You say those words only. And then you go to any – so that might be one call a day at the most probably. And then if you had 300 of those people in your database, that would turn out to be about one call a day. 
on average. Okay. So then you go to any new for sale by owners that you've never talked to before, left a message to before, never had a live conversation or left a message or dialed their phone number before. Uh, then you go to any new uh, expired or canceled listings in your area that you've never dialed their number, left a message to, had a live conversation with before. And we never follow up with FISBOs or expireds because if you do, you'll be spending all day in the insane asylum that is FISBOs <clears throat> and expireds. Then uh, I would say if you uh, walk into an insane asylum, you better expect to bump into some nuts so they have a high propensity for nuttiness, which is fine. Some of them are nice, normal, sane people. Are you talking about a radio I'm station? I'm talking about you. Okay. I just didn't want to mention your name, right. Ramon. I, I felt Jeez. you, I oh felt you staring at me when you said that. I know, I know. And then, there, then you go to follow-up calls from previous cold calling that you've done, calling up and down the streets. And then you just spend the rest of the day cold calling. So really the way it went for me is I would uh, – I'm making my sphere calls and, I, and kind of my mindset is I can't wait till this is over so I can get to the new FISBOs. And then when I'm making the new FISBO calls and you know I, I can't wait till this is over so I can get to the expireds. And maybe I've scheduled an appointment or two or, or none. It wouldn't matter. And then I'm doing the expireds, and I think I can't wait to get done with these expired so I can get to the follow-up calls. And then, then I'm making the follow-up calls, and I, you know, maybe I've booked an appointment by then, and I, I'd say I just can't wait to get done with the follow-up calls so I can get to the cold calling where I really don't have to think. That's a less complicated call. I never run out of them, and then I'm just going to spend the rest of the day cold calling. So what I did – is I would go into the office at night, and I recommend this to you, if, if you can do it. You go into the office at 9 a.m. or call from home or wherever you're going to make your calls. At 8.59 a.m., pick up the phone, and then I would call till noon. At noon, no matter what's going on, I'm going to have lunch. I don't take my phone with me to lunch. Uh, and then I have a little me time. So I eat lunch. Then I get back on the phone at 1 o'clock, call till 5 p.m. Then I would have dinner. And maybe by then I've scheduled a couple of appointments. At, at 6 o'clock, I would get back on the phone and call till 9 p.m. Now, that's how I did it. I recommend – and now I did not work Saturdays or Sundays. So I had Saturdays and Sundays completely off with no phone calls, emails, or texting about real estate. So then I have a real weekend and I'm refreshed and ready to go to work. So I would have – and then I schedule all my listing appointments at either 2.30 in the afternoon or 7 p.m. at night. So if your schedule would allow you to do that, I would do that right. because then it doubles your income for the year because you can take two listings in one day and you can't do that any other way and still prospect. So every day I'm prospecting no matter what weekday and mm -hmm. then I either have an appointment if I have an appointment at 2:30 um the other thing is comforting about that is every day when I'm eating lunch I know I do have an appointment at 2:30 or I do not have an appointment at 2:30 but I don't have to wonder if it's 4 it's not it's 2:30 <laughs> then then when I'm eating dinner at 5 
I know I either have an appointment at 7 that I got to go to or I don't. And if I don't have an appointment, now if I if I let's say had a 2:30 listing appointment, I get done with the listing, I get the listing. That's a lot of work. Then I have dinner and I'm probably dead, so I'm not going to prospect in the evening. <laughs> but if I prospected uh until noon, ate lunch, uh didn't have an afternoon listing appointment. I would prospect until 5, have dinner, and then I did have a 7 p.m. listing appointment. I probably, If I get the listing, I'm probably not getting out of there until 10 p.m., so that's a pretty long day. Mm-hmm. But, that, but you get to make the really, really big bucks by doing that. So I would say real estate is long hours at very high pay. Wait, isn't that just like bartending? Uh, except you don't get to drink on the job at real estate. Although I did, I should admit that. But I have to go to meetings now, so there's that. Oh no! Keep coming back. So yeah. Now, Kimberly, you have success. The, the show's over. You called in late, so you've successfully survived the podcast. How do you feel? Okay. Okay. So, I ladies, feel okay. you feel okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Kimberly is the lady for you if you want to list your house, sell your house, invest to get rich in real estate in Austin, Texas. She's with the best company, Crit Realty. You can call her toll-free day or night at 512-948-6400. And by the way, if any of the stuff we talk about on the podcast makes any sense to you whatsoever and you happen to be earning less selling real estate than you wish you were, and you're open to the idea of having some help, go to fearlessagent.com, watch our free webinar like Kimberly did, and then you can call me anytime for a complimentary coaching call at my number at 480-385-8810. And uh, I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Please do, again, visit us at fearlessagent.com. Give us a five-star review of this podcast on whatever platform you're on. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already subscribe to our videos at fearlessagent.tv what else have we got to subscribe to anything ramon uh life magazine life magazine uh, <laughs> yeah, still around until next week do what me and ramon and kimberly will always do always have fun be humble most of all be fearless thanks gang Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.